G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. A discussion about the issue of burnout and how we overcome, how we avoid burnout. Our attention is going to be on the health of our local churches. We all have a context here. The church that we might be a part of today, the church or the churches that we might have been a part of in the past, and maybe even contemplating the sort of church you might like to be a part of into the future. Well, one of the challenging things you may never have considered is that many workers in Christian ministry who dedicate their lives to serving people with the gospel face some extra pressures. And there's some results from the 2023 Oxygen Christian Workers Survey that have revealed some alarming levels of loneliness, burnout and mental health issues amongst Christian workers in Australia. So how do we all stay strong and avoid burnout and loneliness? Well, our special guest today is Dr. Amanda Nixon. She's an author, speaker, social worker and pastor. She's the author of two books, Living by Faith, How the Impossible Becomes Possible with God and The Resilient Leader, How to Beat Being Overwhelmed and Burnt Out for Sustainable Leadership. Amanda, a special welcome along to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Thank you. Amanda, for many, the decision to enter into a ministry role in church life, and sometimes that's paid and sometimes that's volunteer, it sounds like the ideal. I mean, what could be more fulfilling than, you know, being on board with God's mission? Uh, But there's some extra pressures here. Yes, I think we start off full of purpose and passion and it's an exciting time to be able to serve and meet the needs of others. But sometimes the needs can be never-ending and overwhelming. And so it's really important to know what is your role, what the limits might be, and setting some boundaries. And you should do that uh, before you get involved. Is there a sense in which, you know, if you're going to serve in church, uh, whether it's in the children's ministry or uh, the seniors' ministry or whether you're going to be on some sort of pastoral care level or on staff and leadership, that you've got to somehow rather count the cost of what's going to change and uh, the sorts of things that you might do to protect yourself because of the pressures even before you take on a role like that? Yes, I think we have to make sure our own tank is filled and that we're able, in a position to be able to give out to others. And while we're giving out, are we able to keep refilling our own tank? So how do we refresh ourselves spiritually, emotionally, socially, physically, psychologically? Okay, now there is some research that is out in this space. It's called the Oxygen Christian Workers Survey 2023. 
Give us your insight here into some of the major findings. Well, just tell us about that survey initially. Um, you know, who did who was involved? Uh, what sort of things were asked? Any thoughts here? I just saw it recently and it just pricked my attention that um, it's very relevant for people serving in churches in this current time that often people in leadership will be isolated and feel they can't share um, whatever struggles or burdens they themselves might be feeling. I think there's this sense of I have to have it all together and look like I have it all together at all times and they're not able to share their vulnerabilities and be real and have time for themselves. That was the, the main takeaway. Yes, and we might unpack a a little bit of that as we go on in our conversation. But Amanda, come back to you for a few moments. Uh, Tell us a little about your story here, because uh, when I introduced you, I I said, uh, you know, you're an author, you're a speaker, social worker and pastor. You really are in this sort of space. Give us some insight here into your expertise and your experience that you bring to a conversation like this. Sure. Um, Part of what I do at the moment is I provide professional supervision for pastors and also for chaplains, particularly through the Australian Christian Churches and Scripture Union for chaplains in schools. I also provide professional supervision for human service workers and social workers in the welfare industry. So I have many, many years' experience of supporting people who are working with our most vulnerable and needy And what I've found, particularly with pastors and chaplains, is often they only reach out for help when they're already at the point of being overwhelmed or at the point of burnout. And I've seen some wonderful people that are at the point of leaving their roles, leaving their church, leaving their calling. Sometimes their marriages are in trouble. It's People often only reach out very late in their journey. And we can be involved much sooner providing professional supervision and support on a regular basis to people in positions of leadership um, in the wealth industry, but also in the church and in all sorts of Christian spaces where people are working. And that's my passion at the moment, to equip leaders, pastors, chaplains to last the distance, not to burn out, not to crash and burn. Well, I think there's going to be an important takeaway from our conversation today, and perhaps this will come out as we go. Uh, The thought that you don't ask for help until you recognise there there are some symptoms or there's a, a crash or a burnout that happens, and then the recovery from those things actually can be a lengthy process, can't it? So catching these things or actually making some preventative uh, measures before those things come, this is going to be one of the keys, isn't it, to sustaining an effective role that you might play in your local church? Absolutely. I like the analogy of a seatbelt. When you think we go driving many times a day, we put on a seatbelt without thinking, and that's as a prevention mechanism to keep us safe and protect us and I think we should be looking at investing time in self-care looking after ourselves like a seatbelt every day we do something to look after ourselves Um, so whether that's you go for a walk you catch up with a close friend for a coffee whether you 
um, put on your favourite music, you go to a beautiful reserve where you can look out on water. They're important things. And I think particularly for people serving or involved in churches, um, there's this perception that if they take time for themselves, that's being selfish. But it's actually not. We are human and we need to look after ourselves and be aware of the limitations we have. You know, I've been a part of church life over many, many years and there is something that I notice, and I'll get your thoughts here, because oftentimes the people who are serving in church don't always do that out of, you know, guilt uh, that they need to be serving and not having time for themselves, but they, they're just that sort of person who's gifted. They're givers. They're people who do have something of a servant heart. They recognise that someone's got to do that. I might roll up my sleeves and might get involved in it. And there are particular thoughts about, uh, you know, who gets involved in church. Is there, in your understanding, a you know, particular sort of personality type that actually does put their hand up for service? You know, a lot of people will often say, you know, uh, 80% of the work gets done by 20% of the people in church life. Is that something that there's a special sort of person who actually does put their hand up and gets involved in these servant ministries? I think a whole range of people get involved in all sorts of different capacities. So um, serving could be that you're greeting someone at the door as a as a greeter or a welcomer. It could be that you're in the kitchen washing up dishes. It's not always the people up front um, in the visible designated roles as leaders that are serving. And equally, the people in the background can be um, overworked and feel undervalued, not noticed. I think there's a whole range of people. Um, I don't think it's a particular personality type, but I think it's a person that's in a position that they want to contribute. They want to give back to the community that they're a part of. They want to share Jesus' love with the people around them. So they're all good, good motivations and good reasons to be involved. I think where it gets tricky is where there's one role plus another role plus you're on the school PNC plus you're raising three small children, plus you're working full-time, plus you're studying. And I suppose I've seen a lot of people that are in positions of leadership in in different capacities, but they're also juggling, yes, families, study, work, and a number of roles, not just one role. And I think that's where it can be a challenge. We juggle a lot of things in church life, and especially if you have family and if you have a demanding career that you're also involved in. Let me ask you, though, and this conversation could go anywhere, and for listeners, uh, shortly we'll open an opportunity for listeners to contribute to our conversation, but is there something about learning to say no that actually is a protection for people who are sometimes vulnerable to burnout and uh, some of these deeper issues? Uh, Is there something there that we perhaps all could take on board as a real strength of learning to say no when that really is something we can't actually fulfil? Absolutely. I think setting boundaries is so important and I've learned I've had to say no to some things so that I've got the time to do other things I've already said yes to properly. Um, I can give an example. I, I was once on a number of committees in a university where I worked and I'd been on them for a number of years, 
but I had some other priorities I really needed to get to and I just couldn't because on these committees you had a lot of you know, pre-reading and preparation and work to do. So I, I gave notice that I was resigning from um, these two committees. A lot of people sort of pressured me and wanted me to stay and said, oh, but, you know, we really like your input, you're good at this. And I thought, yes, but, you know, a lot of things are good, but it's knowing the timing, what's at the right time for you to be involved with. And I really needed to clear that schedule so that I could, focus on some other things I needed to do so I stood my ground I you know saw out my turn but I resigned from those two committees because I needed to take control of some of the time in my life to have more time and then they you've got to be very careful that uh, when you are sitting uh, in your living room with your spouse or with your family on the night after that or the regular night that you'd ordinarily be going to those meetings and not feeling guilty about that. Is there something in the ways that some of us might be wired that says we've got to be on the go all the time? Um, I think some people, there's always um, things you can be involved with that are good and it's hard to, you need to have some time to actually think about. There's lots of things that are good, but what are my priorities? What am I actually called to do or what are my strengths? And can I be working in that area rather than filling a gap for someone else's agenda or filling a need um, just because it's a need? So, yeah, it's a bit of a fine balancing act working out, you know, where I should be and when I need to draw a boundary. But if you're already feeling stretched and pulled and stressed, um, you don't want to get to the point where there's, you know, the tiniest straw is what breaks the camel's back and I think often we're working with a lot of stress and if we have a number of stressful events and don't have time to recover um, yeah it's that tiniest thing that can catch us out. Is there a sense in which that old saying many hands make light work it might just be a prompt uh, for some that says there's lots of hard workers in my local church. Maybe they don't need me, or maybe this is a time where I ought to step up and be in a support role somewhere so that it makes life easier. Is there a sense in which uh, that many hands make light work might just say more leaders required in my local church? That could well be the case, and I, I think that saying has a lot of truth. Um, I suppose it's more about working out if, yeah, if I'm in the position, if I've got the energy and the emotional energy to be giving at the moment, I think we have seasons and it's just being mindful, am I in a good place personally so that I can give out or am I in a season where I'm having a bit of a struggle and I need a bit more refreshing and refilling before I give out? Amanda, the thought of loneliness, uh, there, there's oftentimes a conversation that will say, you know, if you are a lonely person, you might find a place in your local church and you might find that place in serving. Um, loneliness is, is something that actually hits people who are in leadership roles in, in a local church. What are your thoughts here? I think it's because for some leaders, they're... Um feeling they have to have it together at all times and maybe unwilling to share vulnerabilities with other people. So to me, if you're a leader and you're in a 
feeling lonely or isolated, the key would be linking up with another person that you trust, that you know well, and maybe just sharing some of those concerns or worries that you have because I'm a big believer in a burden shared is a burden halved and just having someone else that can pray with you through whatever those issues are. But I think the thing that holds leaders back is they feel they have to have it all together all the time. So it's finding that safe person that you're prepared to share with um, that's going to keep things confidential, that's got your best interest in heart. You raise something really important here and when you're serving in church, I mean earlier you mentioned you know you might be working in the kitchen making coffee uh, or washing the dishes uh, but that doesn't necessarily create that heart-to-heart intimacy conversation that actually addresses the issue of loneliness. So when you're in those circumstances you've, you've still got to look for that close friend haven't you? Yes, and I think there's always a risk when you open up to someone. So it's it's trying to find the person you click with or that you feel you can trust, that you've known maybe a little bit longer. Um, and maybe you ask if you could meet them for a coffee somewhere else or catch up with them during the week. Or would they have a few minutes after the service that, that you could just share with them? But it's I suppose it's that step of faith, trusting someone else with with what your burden is. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take some calls. Bernadette is in Victoria. Hi, Bernadette. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm very well, Bernadette. What are your thoughts for our conversation today? I want to say how grateful I am to hear this conversation. It is it is just an answered prayer for me. Wow. So what's, what's your story here then? Oh, I don't want to be too... I don't want to divulge too much because I'm looking at entering a ministry, but at the moment I am scanning the congregation and I actually... I don't feel I need to hide this, but I'm actually looking to see how healthy this church is if I'm to step in to a bigger role. So in in some sense, what you you seem to be concerned about is uh, that if I'm going to be stepping into a role, uh, I need to know that at least someone will have my back if I get into trouble. Is that what you're saying? Because sometimes, you know, what's a healthy congregation? Uh, lots of congregations have lots of big challenges. Uh, that's why people are gathering together, because they're looking for some answers from God and uh, in that community. So the thought that your church might actually have your back if you actually found yourself in the deep end? Mm, yes, I, I suppose you could put it that way, but... It's more about, that's a sense of it, Neil, but but overall I'm looking to see how this church manages difficulties, how this church supports each other, how do they work through challenges because, as you said, all churches have challenges, you know, and, and so I'm just taking me a long time okay. and it feels like I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. But I really believe that, and your guest, I'm sorry, I've forgotten your name. It's Amanda um, is our guest, Amanda. Amanda. 
Amanda has touched on every question I have, so it's it's fantastic to hear all this put together. Well, Amanda, what are your thoughts here for Bernadette? And, and Bernadette's going to be like a lot of other people who are saying, I'd love to be involved in church. I need to have a few little uh, things in place and, uh, and then I'm going to jump in and boots and all, I'm going to serve. Thoughts here for Bernadette? Um, yes, sure. So I'm thinking it sounds very important that you might have a couple of supportive friends, um, like your own support network, whether or not you're in a position of leadership or stepping into something bigger so that um, you've still got your own support team there. Even one friend can make all the difference, having one person that can be with you when there's a struggle and pray with you. But I'd Mm. also be looking at um, the leadership team are they encouraging their leaders to have um, a balanced life, days off, holidays, time away? Because I've certainly met a lot of pastors that are workaholics and their role model is hardly ever having holidays or time with their families, which I don't think is a good example. So I'd be looking, is there that healthy balance that you do have time off from the roles that you do, that you are encouraged to have time with your family, time to refresh, time away. They're the sorts of things that I think are really important for more experienced leaders to be um, encouraging emerging leaders to be doing so that they can last the distance and not just burn out after a short period. Bernadette, was that helpful? Oh, very, very. Thank you so much, Amanda. And Neil, a pleasure. Wonderful event. Okay, Bernadette, thank, thank you. you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's keep taking some calls here. Tim is in Kilcoy in Queensland. Hi, Tim. Welcome. G'day. Tim, what are your thoughts? Well, I get some counselling. And part of the, one of the big things is that... Um, is my work-life balance that she's deeply concerned about. And one of the things that she said was it's her Christian clients who are the ones that are sort of heading for burnout and and overdoing it. And the work-life balance is is up the creek, basically. And I... So I found that really fascinating that as the Christians, you know, with a heart for serving that are in this situation fabulous insight here and uh, I think we're touching something very important as Amanda is addressing these things Amanda your thoughts here for Tim yes absolutely that's that's my concern that I think we need to be doing this much better and that's why I'm keen to be working in the space of prevention rather than picking up the pieces afterwards when people do burn out And I think it's people have all the goodwill in the world. They want to serve, they want to help others, but they don't have any boundaries around what's a good balance in terms of your own personal time to refresh, time with families, um, time out. And it it just gets lost somewhere in this whole serving. 
Tim, do you mind if I ask you, and you said you're getting some counselling here, uh, preventative uh, for, you know, not going into some, you know, deeper challenges around mental health and burnout and things like that. Uh, is Have you been that sort of person? Uh, just, uh, you know, uh, roll your sleeves up, boots and all, you're in, and other things are suffering as a result of working too hard, uh, serving in church. Is that a thought? Yes, well... Um See, I run, in Kilcoy, I run a shed night for men. The shed happens for blokes. And um, that's, okay, that's once a month, but then, then that's one role. And then I'm involved in, in the local church, and then I help with another church with playing guitar. And then there's a Bible study uh, that I go to during the week. And then there's um, family with disabilities, and there's my own physical limitations, and I'm trying to do a part-time uh, mowing business, <laughs> you see. Yep. So, um, uh, and then, and I was studying, um, doing, um, studying counselling. You know what? We take on a lot, don't we? And uh, even one thing we take on uh, can take a lot more time than, say, your shed happens night. Uh, there can be an awful lot more work in the administration of that and even pastoral care and the follow-up and the promotion and all of those sorts of things. Uh, nearly news time, a quick thought here uh, from Amanda. For someone like Tim, because you don't want people to stop serving altogether, but if you don't... Uh, address the issues of burnout. You may have to stop. You've got to. You've got to regulate this involvement, haven't you, Amanda? Absolutely, because I suppose the other thing that happens to people that have too much on their plate is they can get really unwell physically um, from the pressure on them and end up having a stroke or high blood pressure or heart attacks. And I've certainly seen people in those situations as well. Um, we tend to ignore all the warning signs of stress in our body um, like tension, headaches, muscles and we think oh it doesn't matter, it's only small but it's actually our body's early warning system um, that we really need to take heed to. I suppose I always come back to we all only have 24 hours in a day and how balanced is that 24 hours if we've got work responsibilities, family responsibilities, some study some serving in a church or other community capacity. Before we go any further, Amanda, let me ask you about your own experience here because you had your own experience of burnout in ministry. I wonder if you're able to share a few things about that with us. Yes, I'd be happy to. Um, I had an experience of burnout when I was serving in a church um, that was meeting the needs of a number of newly arrived refugees in the regional town I was in. And many of these new refugees were Christians and wanting to attend a church. Um, they had very limited English, so our service was being translated, interpreted into Swahili. And there were a number of the refugees had very large families. So, you know, five children, seven children, and there's no public transport in this town and it was very difficult for them to actually get to church. So I approached the pastor and said, oh, you know, would it be helpful if I could maybe arrange a minibus or something to collect these families? I liaised with 
the local state high school that my children attended and I was able to borrow the minibus and, you know, signed a contract, got it all organised, went back to the pastor thinking someone else would be the one doing all the pickups and um, he asked me to do it and I thought, oh, that's not quite what I had in mind, but okay. <laughs> so it just, you know, was another thing on my pile of things I did. Um, so it meant I had to, you know, pick up the key from the school on the Friday afternoon, go to the school at 7.30 in the morning on the Sunday, unlock gates, sheds, get the bus out, lock everything up, go around, pick up all the families, which I love to do. Like, they're beautiful people. I love them. Had our normal church service where I also did the music as one of two musicians. Um, I also was on kids' ministry. Then drop everyone home. Um take the bus back to the school, lock everything up. I had to clean the bus. Um, you know, it was a big extra thing. And I was also very isolated at this church because while most of the men in the church had good English, the women had very limited English. And even if I asked just a simple question of the women, like, oh, you know, how's your son? He was sick last week. They'd have to go and get their That's husband like or someone else to interpret. Um so long story short, in the end, I just felt I couldn't keep going. I was just exhausted. Um, I was juggling my own young family of three children. I was studying. I was working full time and doing all this. And I got to a point one Sunday and I just thought, I can't do it. I can't go. I'm, I can't, just can't do it. And that was so not me. So I stopped going to church and that that's just not me at all. Um because I was just exhausted in every way, physically, emotionally. I just thought, I can't do it. And so I stopped going to church, I think, for about a few weeks. And then I thought, oh, maybe I could go back to the other church. I used to go to a different church. And I thought, oh, I could go back there. I re went and straight away I connected with some women there that I knew that were supportive, that, you know, nurtured and encouraged me and was able to be built up again in my spirit and having connection and I wasn't isolated anymore and I went on to flourish, you know, and a few months later I was back able to serve in women's ministry and all sorts of things. But it was not realising how depleted I was and I just kept going and going and going. It's encouraging to know that when you do feel depleted, it's not the end of the world. You can recover. And in those times of stress, you feel like it is the end of the world and you could never do that again. And uh, there's another lesson in there. And I know listeners uh, will really admire the fact that you took on all of those responsibilities. And from, from the leader's level, there's an old saying that goes, every good idea comes best attached to a volunteer because a lot of people share their ideas uh, to the leadership or to the pastor and uh, they hope that there'll be something will happen. Uh, oftentimes, there's already an exhaustion <laughs> that's happening with all of the things that do go along. So, so when you do have a good idea, be prepared to be the volunteer. But in this case, as you can hear, uh, when you're involved in a lot of different areas and you take on a whole lot more, then you are actually at risk of burning out in the role that you have. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Rachel, who is in Brisbane. Hello, Rachel. Hello, how are you going? Very well, Rachel. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I was just 
um, wanted to build on your comment earlier about um, 80% of work um, being done by about 20% of the congregation. And um, uh, I have personally been working uh, volunteering in the kids' ministry at my local church for about six years um, and have moved into a leadership role there um, while also managing all sorts of personal responsibilities and health issues. And, um, you know, myself and other people who've been volunteering have been have needed to take some time out after having served for a long time. Um, but there's never enough people um, who are sort of stepping up into the kids' ministry and committing for uh, a long period of time to make it possible um, for those others to take a break that they need. So, um, and I also find, you know, I, I wonder whether there's a philosophy that, um, you know, people should only take on roles that, they're especially gifted in um, or are easier and more comfortable um, to undertake um, rather than where the need is. So my thoughts is how can we attract um, and encourage more other people to fulfill roles and move into those other roles um, where the volunteers are really needed but Rachel, less inclined to volunteer for. I can hear the cry of the heart that says, come on, everybody, let's step up here because uh, you are at risk of burning out when there are no other support helpers. Uh, thoughts here from Amanda for Rachel. That's a really tough one, um, Rachel, that I think is happening in so many areas, churches, but also a lot of other community organisations. I think it's often there are some people sitting there that don't have the confidence and maybe need to be um, mentored or given the opportunity to shadow other people or to work alongside to build the confidence to be part of the team. So I, I certainly will now ask people, approach people and ask them and, you know, certainly they'll tell you if the answer is no, but instead of just waiting for people to come forward, um, trying to identify potential future leaders and getting them involved in the team and upskilling them to be part of your team um, would be the ideal. I know that's often tricky if there's not a lot of people with available time. Rachel, does that address the sorts of things you were you were saying? Yes, it is helpful and something that potentially get discussed as part of the leadership team um, to do. I personally find it difficult to do that because I don't know, having been volunteering for such a long time, you know, there's only a certain number of people that I am actually connected with, um, you know, who would be able to volunteer, but certainly people within the, um, the network could definitely approach other people and work on doing that upskilling. Rachel in Brisbane, thank you so much for your great contribution to our conversation today. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Even the thought here, now here's a, here's a thought that sort of sows a seed about stepping up into some of these servant leader roles. Uh, in stepping up and having a go, you'll actually be helping to preserve 
the self-care of those who are in that role already. And if we doubled the number of leaders in our church, we'd probably double the size of our church and our capacity and we'd be, we'd be working towards a healthiness if everybody uh, just uh, steps up and into an area that they're actually passionate about and gifted for. Uh, thoughts here, Amanda, because are there, are there too many of us sitting back in the church pews and leaving that 80% of the work to the 20% of the workers, uh, is there something here that says maybe uh, my the, the, the contribution I make to the health of my local church may be just getting up and, and filling some voids, uh, filling some needs? Any thoughts from you? Yes, I think, well, the body of Christ, every person has a part and a role to play and I think some of those roles don't have to be um, the ones that are up on a platform or very visible. There's plenty of roles that are um, vital to a functioning church that might be more in the background, but there's still a role for everyone. Um, for not everyone might be in a position or have the um, aptitude to take on certain roles, but I think everyone can have a role, whether it's welcoming at the door, whether it's um, yeah, being there to encourage others as they come in. Now, to sustain the good work that you're doing in your local church, because you don't want to burn out, you don't want to suffer uh, consequences of working too hard in all of the elements of your life, is there some form of self-care plan that you can apply to the things that you do in church life and not just our church life but across all of the elements of raising families and uh, family challenges and all sorts of things that go with our careers and uh, work-life balance? Is there a self-care plan that you like to recommend? Absolutely. Um, I think self-care which is health, healthy ways to refill your tank is absolutely essential. And I've found I actually need to plan it and have time scheduled in my diary to do things like go for a walk or catch up with a friend. And unless I schedule it and make an appointment, it's not going to happen. But we can certainly make a self-care plan and follow through with it and that helps to build resilience. So that's putting some of the responsibility for our wellness on ourselves. And I suppose um, if you're in a position where you're being totally overwhelmed with a workload or factors out of your control, that's something you can't do much about. But there are things that are in your control that you can work on. And they could include things like your physical care, your physical well-being, so that might be, you know, what you eat each day, whether you get enough sleep, are you doing any physical activity, your emotional well-being, your spiritual well-being, your psychological well-being and your social well-being. In each of those areas, I have a plan for all those five areas and I've also got accountability measures which means something like, you know, I want to be more physically active. That's a very nice general goal. But if I have a goal of working 10,000 steps a day, that's actually measurable. And I can know if I'm, oh, I didn't do much today. I'll, I'll try to do more tomorrow. So having some specific goals for each of those areas helps me 
um, refill my tank and be the best version of me I can be to serve others. You know, you're speaking such wonderful wisdom and uh, to make to take a note or two around how you get that bit of a self-care plan in process is so, so important. Church is like a machine, isn't it? And, uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, organisation. Uh, some say it's not an organisation, it's an organism, but uh, the way it functions, there are things that have to be done to make church happen. And, uh, and the bigger the church, there's all the bigger uh, the responsibilities that have to be covered. So when church is a little bit like a machine and it takes person power to run it, you want to be an effective in what you're doing and so you make a plan for your contribution. And uh, what my wife and I discovered many years ago, uh, and I'll get your thoughts here too, Amanda, if you don't Mm -hmm. plan your own life, others will plan it for you. Now, whether it's your work and career, uh, whether it's all of the sorts of things that, you know, sometimes you're a slave to your own family with the things that go on on a weekend, uh, and certainly with your local church, making a plan for your own involvement, plan for your own life, plan to keep those sorts of self-care issues in uh, in in focus. If you don't do that, uh, then you might be at risk. Any thoughts around that? Um, yes, I think we do need to have a plan or at least be thinking about and praying into what it is we should be spending our time on. And I think at different times in our lives, different things are more important. So if you're a parent with very young children, you know, you'll have very different capacity because you're in that intensive caring for children time. But in another season, you might have more capacity to be giving your time in a voluntary capacity at the church. So I think it's also the season of life you're in, what else is going on, have you also got study commitments, ageing parent commitments. You know, there's all sorts of demands on our time and it's being wise about, well, what do I need to be available with time to do and then how do I sustain myself with resilient skills, self-care planning and action to last the distance. So it's being a bit proactive rather than reactive. If you're taking on a responsibility, I'll ask your advice here because sometimes having an exit strategy. Remember, you were saying you were serving on boards, and uh, you know that can sometimes become an endless uh, pursuit, um, and that can be very valuable. And sometimes your gifts are so necessary, and that's the reason why you continue to serve. Some sort of exit strategy. Uh, thoughts here about about how you might, you know, put that into your plan. I think if you're wanting to claim back more time for yourself and feel that you're overextended, maybe look at the one that um, is having the least uh, result or the least fruit or the one where you're feeling you're having the least impact or there's other people that can take on that role. So for me, coming off a committee, I gave several months notice I didn't just drop it on the night of the AGM I you know I let them know well in advance that I was needing to step down so giving them that time frame to be looking for someone else and I'd worked out which thing was holding me back from my other priorities in my life and it was my time commitments on those committees were a way that I could get back some hours each week because we've only got a limited number of hours each week 
Wonderful insight there. And, uh, you know, it is a responsibility and there is some etiquette and some protocols around how you uh, get in and on and off uh, committees and things like that. So uh, certainly worthy of of, uh, of consideration. Let's squeeze in one more call. Kaz is in Wyala in South Australia. Hi, Kaz. Welcome. Hello. How are you going? Very well, Kaz. What are your thoughts for our conversation? Um, my thoughts are if you're going to be part of a group or um, a church setting or something like that, um, to delegate, like learn how to delegate things and, and it lessens your load. I remember having a conversation with a lady and she was in a lot of things and, and I said to her, do you, what do you do for yourself? And she said, nothing. And I said, well, you need to either delegate or you need to get rid of something. So she did get rid of something and then she had time for her. Wonderful insight. Amanda, thoughts here for Kaz? Brilliant. <laughs> um, absolutely delegate if you can. I suppose that is assuming someone's in a position of leadership or in a position where they can delegate. Um, some people serving might be uh, further down the food chain, if you like, and not feel they're in a position to delegate because they're doing a role, um, yeah, it, it can be tricky. Like I, I think that's great advice and works for some people, depending on the role you're in. Um, if you can't delegate, maybe it's also conscripting some more helpers would be the other option. And Kaz, of course, the biblical example that always comes to mind for me around that, of course, is Moses and his father-in-law Jethro, who said, uh, Moses, don't keep on doing what you're doing. You're about to burn out. You've got to delegate some of the responsibility for dealing with the problems of the children of Israel. So uh, that's just a little biblical example in there. And and uh, and Amanda, that one actually does play into whether you're the senior leader of a nation or whether you are leading the children's ministry in your local church. Uh, that delegating is very, very important, isn't it? Yes. Absolutely. Kaz, thank you so much for your call. And we won't take any more calls. But just as we tie some loose ends together, and we've been talking about burnout, uh, loneliness too, because one of those things that you've got to have some level of uh, intimate friendship communication within the people that you're serving with. And sometimes I think serving with people in your local church is the way to actually forge some of those wonderful intimate ways of finding new friends but if you're actually talking about how do you make this go long term not burn out and uh, be cast it to the wayside but to be you know sustainable and resilient these sorts of skills amanda what sort of things do you have to learn to be able to prolong and to get the most out of your opportunity to serve I think resilience skills, what I love about them is that we can learn and practice them and like any other skills, we can get better at looking after ourselves. We might recognise the signs in ourselves sooner that we need to take some time out and whether that's to restore physically, whether it's to restore emotionally. I know at different times I've needed time out to have a, a spiritual injection, if you like, of some time alone with God and being able to listen to him, listen to his voice and, and read his word and just refresh my spirit. Because if we're giving out all the time but haven't refreshed our spirit, um, 
yeah, we're going to run out of of everything. Um, so it's it's making time to restore the, every aspect of ourselves. So that's our spiritual self, our physical self, our emotional emotional self, our social self. So that's where I need to connect with a couple of friends. Um, but also, and psychologically, you know, are we able to build up our knowledge and um, build ourselves up as well. So in every area, we can make time and plans to meet those needs so we're the best version of ourselves we can be. Well, Amanda, just wonderful getting your insights today. And I think from a number of those listeners who called in to contribute, uh, wonderful insights to be able to share uh, into uh, our local churches and the health of our local church. It's not just about the pastor not just about the elders or the people who are on the platform on a weekend. It really is about everyone who's working so hard behind the scenes and a wonderful contribution today from Dr. Amanda Nixon, an author, speaker, social worker and pastor. I mentioned a couple of books that Amanda has written. Let me just mention those again for listeners. You might want to get a hold of these. Living by Faith, How the Impossible Becomes Possible with God. And another one called The Resilient Leader, How to Beat Being Overwhelmed and Burnt Out for Sustainable Leadership. And you can connect with Amanda at her website, Amanda Nixon. That's Nixon spelled N-I-C-K-S-O-N, amandanixon.com.au. Amanda, wonderful insights. Thank you so much for sharing those and sharing your heart with listeners today on 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.